Hey everyone, welcome to Inside Northumbria, a series of podcasts giving you a chance to hear how we do things the Northumbria way. Hello and welcome to Inside the Emergency Department, the podcast for all the staff who work in and with us in the Emergency Department at Northumbria. Uh, it's James McFetridge here, consultant in emergency medicine, and I'm very pleased today to welcome Jim Mackey to have a chat to us on the podcast. Morning, Jim. Hi, James. I'm, uh, I'm Jim Mackey, Chief Executive of Northumbria. Excellent. So I guess a lot of people will uh, have heard your name if they haven't met you, because you're very good at getting down onto the shop floor and saying, saying hello to people. But what I really want to know is, when we were sorting this podcast out, I noticed that you sent an email about five in the morning. Is that your normal start to the day? It is, yes. So I was a swimmer when I was a kid. So right. you get up morning training and the kids were swimmers. So that completely ruined my body clock. Yeah. So I got into the habit when they were uh, training in the morning. They're just, you know, getting up, doing a bit of work when they were in the pool and stuff. And I've yeah. never really been able to shake it. So I'm, I'm a bit addicted to that sort of hour and a bit in the morning before I come into work. Right. Do you think that's when you're most productive as well? Or is it just body it's, clock? It's the time when I can, if I've got to read anything or do a presentation or write a letter you know those sorts of things just catching yeah. up on emails it's really the only quiet time I get in the day right so I'll I'll get up I'll do an hour's work walk the dog work out get my wife up and then I'll come into work good uh, so I'm, uh, I'm sort of locked into that I get really knocked off course when it doesn't work yeah if I've got yeah. to go to London or something so yeah but yeah I'm, I'm a I'm a, uh, a, a an animal of routine right <laughs> okay okay <laughs> So one of the things we were talking about before we started was life as a chief exec. I know you probably can't summarise it that <laughs> easily, but uh, when I was talking to my daughter about this last night, uh, and she's a teenager, she's wondering what she's going to do with her life, and the question she has for you mm. is, wh- when did you start having those aspirations to have mm. such uh, you know, a, a massive job, such an important job, or was mm. it something that kind of caught you by surprise? So that's a great question. Uh, one of my kids used to keep asking me what I, what I did for a living, and I, I could never actually quite explain it, and uh, I keep answering it all the time. I suppose from my point of view, I've, I've never really liked taking instruction. Right. So when I was uh, younger and I was trying to work out what to do, I was mathematically orientated, so I steered mm. towards accountancy. Um, I never really wanted to be an accountant. I just wanted to use that as a business qualification to eventually be in charge in some kind of vague way Um, so I set off on that path with the aspiration of trying to be able to run something and and the the qualification enabled me to do that yeah I really didn't know what it meant yeah (laughs) probably still don't know what it means sometimes (laughs) but that's that was what it was about so obviously there's a lot of leadership in your role is that something that you you feel you had some innate abilities for, or was it just the control, the not wanting to take uh, orders from anyone, or is it something that's developed as you've gone through? It's a bit of a combination. I'm a big believer that a lot of leaders are the it's innate, it's it's already there. Mm. Um, you know, I really like kind of natural leadership styles. Yeah. You do tra- uh, train and you adapt and you learn things over time. Yeah. But I think the core what you've got as a leader is 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 there in the beginning and you need to build on that rather than mm. think you can completely develop it and train it um, from scratch. 
it's I've had to learn a lot of things on the way. So I'm a terrible introvert. Right. I really don't like talking to people. Yeah. And that was a really big thing at the beginning. You know, really hard to work out how to make small talk and yeah. You know those sorts of things and doing big presentations and that. I've had to work hard at that over the years. Yeah. Um. But so yeah, it's a bit of a combination. I think a, a bit of natural kind of leadership. Yeah. Um, ability and skills that have been added on and development continue to develop over the years yeah and one of the things about your leadership of the trust and i guess perhaps it started before you even came into post was mm. that input into the emergency side of clinical medicine mm-hmm. uh, which obviously culminated with with building uh, the hospital at cramlington mm. where did that kind of come from because from my experience training and going through lots of different trusts across the country mm. this is the first trust i came across that really saw the need for investment and input into the emergency side of things rather than the elective side. So mm. where did that sort of kernel come from as, as something that we needed to concentrate on as a trust? So that's a, that's a great question as well. It actually goes back a really long time. So um, it goes back before Andy Jones was appointed. Oh, right. <laughs> and uh, so was, I think that was the old North Tyneside uh, yeah. days. We'd had a bit of a hard time um, from an AD perspective uh, you know, and we didn't really measure performance at the time, but we yeah. had a couple of incidents. That it, yeah, it was generally under-resourced. We, we had a very limited medical infrastructure. And we had a bit of an argument with the health authority at the time about whether right. they would pay for us to improve the service and they wouldn't. Okay. And I remember a conversation, I was the finance director at the time, a conversation with the chief executive at the time to say, look, this is this is most of what we do. It's not, you know, we're yeah. not a, an international academic centre loads of complex surgery we've got, yeah. you know a good range of surgery but we haven't got a you know very broad range of specialisms emergency care was our bread and butter and we hadn't really recognized it mm. so we set off on a process at that point to start recruiting ed consultants so yeah. we, andy was the first uh, big step i think our first kind of modern trained ed consultant yeah. at the yeah. time yeah, would have been. and and then it built out of that so i think as a is a DGH organisation, community organisation that's mm. embedded in the community mm. to not take emergency care seriously and especially vulnerable elderly patients, you know, those sorts of sure. uh, patients. I just think it's wrong, I think. And you do see a lot of people get, get distracted by the shiny things. Yeah. But 70 odd 80% of our work is emergency care. Yeah. So what, why is that so different in other trusts? I know you've got a lot of experience nationally. Mm. Do other trust trust just not interest in it, or do they struggle to get to the model that that we've gone for? I don't know. I've spent a lot of time over the years thinking about this, and obviously when I was at NHS Improvement, mm. uh, trying to work on it, and it's a mixture. Sometimes people are really trying to prioritise it, but they've got so many other problems they can't mm. really. Sometimes there's a structural thing, so the way the the systems laid out, you know, like in Cumbria, for example, where they've got a big rural yeah. expanse and they're spread over two sites. They, they're all they're always going to struggle with, the, you know, giving it the attention that it deserves. Yeah. And sometimes you do you do just get the leadership system that's attracted by other things that, yeah. are, that are more interesting and uh, you know more uh, publicly sort of attractive and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and lose sight of the fact, you know, that, that what we're here for is the emergency response. Yeah. And also during times when the money's being tight and stuff, the uh, if you really have to prioritise, you have to prioritise that urgent mm. access, don't you? And, and accept that that might mean longer waits sometimes for elective care, 
but generally those people aren't coming to harm yeah where they can come to harm if if you're not prioritizing emergency care so it's a bit of a no-brainer it's very frustrating that it's not prioritized in the way that you'd want it to be um everywhere but it's complicated yeah well i'm certainly pleased that you prioritize it because otherwise (laughs) i wouldn't be here um so when you had that sort of those sort of first thoughts i guess over 20 years ago did you ever see something like uh, NSEC being there at some point in the future? Or again, was that just the, the natural progression as time went on? So when Northumbria was formed, we, we, we had an argument, created an argument that to really have a sustainable critical mass to get at the level that we wanted to, mm. one's back in North Tyneside and, and Hexham came and we needed a bigger footprint to do mm. that. And we did that, I think, completely with the thought that one site would become a hot site and another site would become yeah. a cool site. And there was a bit of, so we spent about five years after Northumbria was formed thinking that that was the way we were going to yeah. go. Then the GP contract changed in yeah. whenever that was, 2004 or something. Yeah. Then we had the ED standard came in in January 2005. Yeah. Both of those were really big game changers, I think. And yeah. The GP contract massively increased ED volume. Yeah. Yeah. From memory, I think Wandsbeck went up about 17% yeah. virtually overnight. Yeah. So it became apparent that no single site could take the load of the other. Mm. Um, we then had a few years to think, well, I don't know what to do about that because <laughs> there <laughs> yes. isn't an easy answer. Yeah. And I went away on, uh, so I became chief exec after that. I went away for a Christmas break one year. Yeah. And just had one of those sort of moments where I thought, well, we'll have, you know, the ability to borrow and yeah. invest from a capital point of view. What if we yeah. just pull it out and put it all in the one place? Yeah. And then it developed, it developed out of that. So yeah. from an original kind of idea to it actually happening was, I think, about eight years. Yeah. You know, it feels like it didn't feel like a long time when we're doing it. Yeah. But when you look back, it feels like a long time. Yeah. And probably the thought process was kind of, 10 years before that or even, yeah. even more and it's amazing to think those thought processes now and I often think when I'm on the shop floor we just there's no way we would cope in mm. the in the old system mm. so really nice to have that forward thinking and I guess we've been here now well, this is our seventh year here so looking back and it's clearly the right decision is there mm-hmm. anything that you would change anything you're unhappy with with the process <laughs> that we went through I think it was a fantastic process and you know the clinical engagement the leadership from people like Bijou and Andy mm. and Chris and others yeah. and I wouldn't question any of that I think yeah. there's always things that you we could have got more right than we did <laughs> yeah. there's so many variables that the modeling was impossible to get anywhere near close yeah volumes were massively more than we thought they were going to be on mm. day one or broken ED attendance record on the first day yeah and then we had huge problems with ambulance volumes being much more than we thought they were going to be and mm. so I think the only uh, the only regret in all that and it's you know it's it's a natural thing to get stuck on occasionally is that there was a period, probably too long a period before we recalibrated and reset. Yeah. Um, after it had been open a while and volumes had settled. So yeah. that probably took a couple of years longer than it needed to. It's constantly evolving. We're, cu- yeah. we're currently going through a process of trying to recalibrate again and yeah. get the beds in the right place. And I think there's some really good ideas coming through now about extended ambulatory care and yeah you know those sorts of things so i think overall it's been fantastic actually and the, and the things to really worry about and measure in terms of clinical outcome patient satisfaction and staff satisfaction yeah fantastic yeah yeah is that interesting looking at the original plans uh for a presentation a, a few months back 
And it's great to see that within the department how things have changed. Mm-hmm. You know, we know things have changed in the hospital and clearly in the trust. But within seven years, bits that we knew didn't work or bits mm-hmm. that needed to be changed, it's a really nice progression to, yeah, okay, we didn't get things right, mm-hmm. but we can tweak things around to, to improve things. That's Absolutely. made working clearly quite a stressful environment. You know that there's always that pressure to sort of, you know, we can get things better. We're not just going to mm-hmm. sit back. So uh, it's difficult to sort of think ahead, and I don't want to draw you into mm-hmm. anything uh, that may be in your mind that you don't want to share, but where do you think we're going from emergency care in the next mm-hmm. 10 years? E- even if it's just nationally, what, what do you think the issues are going to be that are going to face us? Yeah, so I think there's, there's the ongoing debate about how do we measure success and what's really important. Yeah. So we had that whole blurring out of the four-hour standard and then a bunch of metrics that I've been pretty public about I don't really like, so yeah. I don't think they're really... <laughs> They don't really address the issue, I don't think. So yeah. that's that's going on, and there's a bit of a continued argument nationally. That yeah. will get settled, and yeah. we'll get reset on what, what do people think is, in, is important. We should expect continued demand growth, Yeah. probably more at the kind of walk-in ambulatory care kind yeah. of end of the spectrum with more steady admission growth over that period. So mm. 10 years' time, it'll be a lot busier than it is now. So mm. we've got to keep expanding and adapting and using technology and you know, all those sorts of things. So, yeah. so I think you'll see, if you're forward 10 years, there'll be a lot more physical space, capability, more technology, a lot more people, yeah. some different models here. Quite hard to predict what they would be. Yeah. And we will have continued to adapt where our beds are and how you access beds and all yeah. those sorts of things across the organisation. Things we're thinking about now are things like how you use technology mm. to keep an eye on people who you might be waiting for a result for, who yeah. are in ED. Yeah. You're thinking nine times out of ten they're fine, but I just want to confirm it on a result. Rather than them being sat in a department without use technology to do that, we'll definitely have to confront yeah, whether you can actually just walk in and get seen. Because yeah. that just presents a huge risk for everybody and trying yeah. to put more order into that. And again, some of the technology that we're going to start using for booking systems in elective care this year mm. through the elective plan could help with that, you know, through the NHS oh, okay. app, where it'll be more immediate where you, people can maybe start scheduling and booking a bit more. So I think if yeah. we go forward, that sort of time frame, you yeah. know, there's, a, there's a hell of a lot of change. Yeah. If you think back 10 years, we hadn't built it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's still an idea. We actually hadn't, people didn't really use podcasts yeah. 10 years yeah. ago, you know, yeah. so... I think when you think forward in that kind of time frame, it's really hard to get right other than it'll it'll look and feel quite different in yeah. lots of ways. But the core principles will still have withstood the test of time. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, exciting looking ahead uh, to the next mm-hmm. decade and what, what it will bring. Uh, well, thank you very much for spending some time with us today because I know you're a busy man. Um, one thing that I ask everyone at the end of the podcast, I don't know if you've thought about this or not, but if you could... Click your fingers and change anything in the NHS. Money, no object. Practicality is no object. Mm-hmm. Whatever aspect of the NHS that you think, oh, I'd just love to change that in a in a moment. What, what would you go for? Mm. I wish I thought about that before I came <laughs> in. <laughs> I think throughout my whole time in the NHS, and it's a massive thing now, is the, the disequilibrium between supply and demand. Yeah. And what that feels from the public point of view in terms of waiting for access and being worried about access, yeah. whether it's in primary care or in hospital, or, yeah. you know, whatever. And also from a staff point of view, never feeling like you've quite got enough people all the time yeah. with enough headroom to be able to withstand a shock, you yeah. know, et cetera. So yeah. 
that would be I think that would just have such an impact on everything else if we just had that balance absolutely right yeah we never will it's probably impossible to achieve but we all absolutely need to be trying to get to that point yeah Brilliant. Oh, thank you once again. Thanks for your time. Uh, so thank you everyone for, everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. And please remember to rate, review and subscribe and tell your colleagues about it uh, so they can all find out about what's been happening inside the emergency department. Thank you.